Gospel Message I had a very difficult time deciding on what message to share this evening. A couple of factors played into that. One of them was the length of the message. I'm trying to make the length of the messages shorter and more concise because one doesn't necessarily need 30 minutes in order to deliver a message. Um, again, especially if that time is not always conducive. So I didn't want to give something that was obviously abbreviated, but at the same time, I believed it was possible. And then the other side of me was saying, okay, don't force the message. If if there's nothing to share, then there's nothing to share. And while I'm saying that, the Spirit of the Lord is saying to me, really, there's nothing to share in this day and age where none of us are promised tomorrow and the Word of God is there, abundant, available. If I'm, if I'm reading my Bible as I should, if I'm studying the Word as I should, if I'm listening to the Word as I should, then how can I say I don't have anything to share? And I, w I was convicted in that. I said, you know, what if this is a message that, you know, someone is going to hear this message not knowing what's going to come across their path tomorrow. So how can you just say you don't have anything to share? <laughs> and so I just decided to come and so I thought about, okay, what has the Lord been revealing to me in my life? And what came to me was struggles and dropping certain things, dropping certain behaviors, certain proclivities, certain tendencies. And this has kind of been the theme of a couple of messages that we've heard in the last couple of days, or at least I've heard in the last couple of days about dropping certain things, um, dropping behaviors, dropping addictions, dropping habits, dropping you know, I guess our our attributes of carnality and our the things that we are stuck on that are not conducive to walking a life in the spirit. And what again some of the, the messages or, or the responses to that I've heard is that, you know, we can't just drop those things. We just can't, that we might want to, but we can't. And when I was thinking about that, I was saying, well, really? Is it, is it true that we can't just drop those things? And, and if that's the case, why not? And, and of course, the responses that, that I hear or that people say is that, you know, it's only God that can take it away. Is it only God that can take it away? And I was just, so this is a dialogue I was having with myself, literally, a back and forth. And the response to that was like, really? Because if it's only God that can take it away, then when in, in John chapter 8, when Jesus saved the woman who was caught in adultery and he saved her from the people who were looking to stone her and he delivered for her from that, what did he say to her? He said, go and sin no more. He didn't say go and wait for God to take it away from you. He didn't say go and wait for the Holy Spirit to take it away from you. He said, go and sin no more. And that go and sin no more was right on the heels of a deliverance that he had delivered her. So she had seen him. 
She had seen his power. She had seen his might. She had seen his ability. But also, I believe she had received some sort of spiritual impartation from her, from him, that made her now aware of this thing that she was doing, what the consequences of that behavior was, and how, in fact, God had now shown her mercy through Christ Jesus, and then she was now able to stop. Because he would not say go and sin no more if she wasn't able to make a decision to stop committing adultery. The same thing happened in John chapter 5 when Jesus healed the man who had been had an infirmity for 38 years. And he, Jesus, at, at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus healed him. And sometime after, when the man saw Jesus, you know, and Jesus made reference to the, the deliverance and said, you know, don't go back to that sin again, lest a worse thing happen to you. Now, we know not all the healings of Jesus were based on a direct sin, as we know from the scripture that when the disciples were asking him about the blind man, who sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents? And Jesus said it was neither one. It was His, his blindness was for the glory of God so that the glory of God can be made manifest. But yes, so we know that there are exceptions when it comes to quote unquote, the, the, the punishment of an affliction or, or the, uh, the presence of an affliction being a direct punishment to sin. But in these instances that I've cited and others in, in the Bible, um, I forget the book, but this is when the Apostle Paul said, you know, ye that steal, steal no more. If you are lazy, go and work. So he's, again, telling us, giving us this directive to not do something. So if that's the case, then why do we say that we can't stop certain things, that only God can do it? Why? Why do we say that? If it is now evident that there are things that we can stop, we can. And even if we are plagued by the addiction of these things, meaning if we are tormented by the desire to do them or the need to do them or just the very proclivity to do them, I also believe again that the Holy Spirit can reveal these things to us, reveal our bondage to these things, which will now cause us to seek him and ask him for deliverance. And I believe that when we set our hearts to be free from something, and this is my true belief, when we set our hearts, Jesus, to be delivered from something, I do believe that God gives us the ability to stop doing those things. So the question now comes, now becomes, are we just sitting there with this, lukewarm acknowledgement that, yes, I can be delivered, but until God delivers me, I'm just going to keep on doing what I've been doing. Is this our attitude? Because if it is, it's a very, 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 very dangerous attitude to have. It's an incredibly dangerous position to be in. And I think it is completely contrary to the word of God when we have that attitude, because there is nothing in the word of God that says that. Nothing. There is no way that God will allow us to continue in sin when he can deliver us, when he wills to deliver us, when he does provide the avenue to deliverance. The reality is that 
God sees our hearts. And many of us don't want to stop doing the things that we're doing. We, we make excuses for them. We make allowances for them. And therefore, we now get to a point where we say things like, well, God, when you deliver me, then I'll be delivered. In the book of 1 Corinthians, it's, um, it's a passage that I, I, I love. I've always, there's a song that goes with it. And I believe it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I could be wrong. But the verse is, I know whom I have believed. And I am fully persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know whom I have believed and I am fully persuaded. I meaning I believe without a shadow of a doubt that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What that verse translates to me is that when I believe that Jesus Christ can take away my sin, my iniquity, the very act of iniquity that I commit, and I come to him with the full knowledge of what I am and what I do and what I am a slave to, and I desire to truly not do that thing or not be that way again, and I come to him believing that he is able to deliver me. In my trust, I commit it to Christ to take away from me. But then there is also that, I, I believe there is an exchange in that moment where now the owners, Christ now puts this thing, okay, you know what you have given to me. And I know that Christ will not allow me to continue to walk in sin. Therefore, me committing it into him also means me receiving from him the power to now abstain from that thing. I believe it happens instantaneously. If indeed our hearts desire to be free from that thing. This is my belief. And I believe it because I've experienced it. I believe it because there have time, been times when I have acknowledged certain things that I do. And I said there was one particular thing that I engaged in. And it happened a lot. I didn't, I'd, I'd always just been that way since I was a child. And over the years, the Lord started to reveal to me exactly how, I don't know about other people, but for me, it wasn't acceptable to him. He brought it to me and he gave me specific examples of how this was a sin unto him. And the time came when I said, Lord, I now know that this is a sin and I believe that you have revealed to me it's a sin. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't. I want you to take away the desire because I know it grieves you and you have made it clear to me that it grieves you. And I kid you not, right after that, he took it away. It's not that the occasion did not arise, but the compelling urge to commit that transgression. And, and before I, I, I even say that, there was a time that I did slip. I did slip and I had the opportunity. It's like the Bible says, whenever the temptation comes, he always gives us an avenue out of that temptation. I saw the avenue out. I didn't take it. I didn't take it and I entered into the sin and I kid you not, I was ravaged with guilt. I was ravaged with, with 
I was so ashamed of myself because it was so obvious that he had given me a way out. But instead, I gave in to the urge, the strong urge of the temptation. And I felt terrible. And at that moment, I said, never again, Lord. Never again. I said, Lord, I never want to feel like this again. And I never want to do to you what I know I just did to you just now. And it never, by God's divine grace till this day, and I give him the glory and I continue to walk in total dependence of his power, not my power. But I believe that because I committed, and it is by his own grace that I was committed not to do it, he gave me, he gave me the power to overcome. I have this thing where I know the Bible verses, but I never always remember exactly where I get the verses from because I just memorize them as part of a Bible prayer that I always do. I, I, I memorize certain verses that are power verses and I convert them into prayers. So I memorize them and I pray them, which also leads me sometimes to not forget the exact book, to forget the exact book that I get them from. But there is this verse that I pray. And, it's, and the verse says that I might be strengthened with all might according to your glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with thanksgiving. That I might be strengthened, I, this is me, might be strengthened according to whose power, not my power, but his glorious power, the power of God in Christ Jesus, according to your glorious power, that I might be strengthened with all might, is the, is the verse, that I might be strengthened with all might, according to your glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. So the, the, the power is not mine. I am praying that his power, though, will strengthen me to now walk according to his will. Because we have to come to a place where we are committed. Lord, this thing that I do, I know it grieves you. I know it transgresses against you. And I know it is not your will for me to continue in it. I do not want to do it. I do not want to be it. I do not want to walk it. I do not, I want to be delivered from this life. And I know it is your will to deliver from the, me from this life. Lord Jesus, deliver me from this life by your strength. And immediately there is an exchange of power where his power now flows into me to now not only give me an understanding of how this way, this sinfulness grieves him, but he now gives me the way out. And that way out is not to be, to be avoiding it by the skin of my teeth, but to be empowered to overcome it. It is his power, but his power working in me. And it is immediate because I, I desire to be delivered from this sin immediately. And I believe that he can. And I believe that he does. Many of us struggle with sin because we're really not willing to give it up. We're not ready to give it up. We like how we feel when we lose our temper. We like how we feel when we curse somebody out. We like how we feel when we indulge in some sensuality or some pleasure or some something that we know we should not be doing. Now we come to a, 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 a an awareness later on that this thing is not good. But again, are we truly grieved enough to wish to be delivered from it? Because if we are, then I believe that God gives us the power 
to overcome it. Remember, he said to Paul, he said, thrice, I asked for this thing to be taken away from me, whatever the thing is. But the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. That grace was not the grace to continue in sin because there is no aspect of the attribute of Christ that, that, that desires for us to, to continue in sin. In 1 John, it says, the life of Christ cannot sin. It cannot it's impossible for the life of Christ to sin. Therefore, if we are walking in Christ and there is a sin that we continuously engage in, he gives us the power to be delivered from it if we desire to be delivered from it. And if we don't desire to be delivered from it, then we are not walking in him in that aspect of our lives. So if we've been in the habit of saying that, oh, I'm going to continue in this sin until God delivers me, and we continue in that sin willfully and knowingly, then maybe we have to come to the understanding that maybe we're just not ready to be delivered from that sin. And being that none of us are promised tomorrow, I think it's a kind of a dangerous thing to willfully engage in something that we know is displeasing to the Lord, not knowing whether we will have an opportunity today or tomorrow to repent from that. Let us go to the Lord today as long as it's called today. Today is the day of salvation. And let us go to him today with every desire to be delivered from everything that is not pleasing to him. And may we continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.